Let's pray first. Good morning, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. You are holy, and we're here to worship you. As we see you, we see ourselves differently. So we confess our sins. The things we said and did and thought this week and left undone. Lord, forgive us individually. Forgive us as a church. Lord, forgive us as a nation that we have forgotten you. Thank you that when we were lost, you saw and saved us. Thank you for washing our sins away. Thank you for giving us your spirit. Thank you for adopting us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for a place to gather. Thank you for running water. We're so, so few people in history have had running water. Thank you. Thank you for electricity and cars. Lord, we're so blessed. Thank you. As we open up your word today, Holy Spirit, fall fresh. We pray that, that you would win lost people to you, that you would build believers. Lord, equip workers, multiply disciple makers. Holy Spirit, fall fresh. We're praying for a revival in your church, a spiritual awakening in our land. Will you not yourself revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Lord, your word says, and when they had prayed, and we're praying, the place where they had gathered together and we're gathered together was shaken. Lord, shake us. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Fill us. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Lord, may it happen again. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I love to win, don't you? And I love to be on the winning team. Yesterday didn't go so well in that regard. But you know, today's Sunday. Today's Sunday, and it's so different. Because, listen, the point of today's message, it's so good. The point of today's message is we're on the winning team. If you're a Christian, if you've signed up to follow Jesus, I want you to know we're on the winning team. You look at the scoreboard, it doesn't look really good, but listen, I've read the book. I know how it all ends, and we're on the winning team. And if you're not yet a Christian, you can become a Christian today, and listen, you can be on the winning team. We continually hear in our culture that we don't want to be on the wrong side of history. You know what? I don't want to be on the wrong side of God. I don't want to be on the wrong side of eternity, right? And, and so this morning, I want to encourage you, don't give up, encourage you. You might be discouraged, don't be encouraged. I've read the book, we're on the winning team. So if you have your Bible, will you turn with me to 1 Peter 5? And if you don't, bring a Bible. It's God's Word. It's so good to get familiar with it. And the reason we're reading through 1 Peter is the purpose of this series is to equip you to follow Jesus in an increasingly hostile culture. The early church was birthed in a hostile culture where they were being persecuted and Peter was trying to encourage them and so we could be encouraged too. So we're going to start reading in 1 Peter 5 verse 6 and the first two verses are where we left off last week but it helps to understand the context. So verse 6, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God 
that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your, devil, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Isn't that kind of funny, isn't it? I mean, the one verse says what? Don't be anxious, don't worry, but just give all your cares to the Lord. And what does the next verse say? Oh, and by the way, there's a devil who wants to devour you like a lion. How are those connected? You ever want, how are those connected? They're right next to each other. You ever wonder where anxious thoughts come from? You ever wonder where you're not enough? You're not good looking enough? You're not smart? You ever wonder where that comes from? You ever wonder where you're on the wrong side of history comes from? You know where it comes from, right? It comes from the devil. It comes from the adversary. Look at verse 8. Be of sober spirit, be on the alert, your adversary. Uh, his name is Satan. And did you know that Satan is a Hebrew word for adversary? The name Satan means an adversary. We're on the winning team, but we have an adversary. His name is Satan. He's against us. Your adversary, the devil. See the word devil? It's the Greek word diabolos. Diabolos from which we get the word? Thank you, diabolical. And something that's diabolical is something that's so evil that you know it was inspired by the devil, right? So right here we have Satan, which means Hebrew, and then we have devil or diabolical, right? And then it's a little interesting because he says um, that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. Usually in the Bible, the lion refers to Jesus, right? The lion of Judah. And usually lion, I mean, that Satan is referred to as a serpent or a snake, someone who's dark and, and deceiving, right? But listen, as we look at our culture growing increasingly hostile toward us, the, listen, the, the devil is also like a roaring lion, right? Um, so resist him firm in your faith. Uh, no, I mean, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil... Uh, notice, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. The devil is a defeated, uh, he is doomed, and he's headed, he's headed to the lake of fire. And some of you say, well, well he doesn't look like that. You know what it's kind of like? It's, it's like when the Japanese surrendered in World War II. There were many Japanese soldiers on different islands, and you know what? They hadn't heard about the surrender, and you know what they did? They kept, they kept fighting. They kept fighting, and so Satan keeps fighting too. And what he wants to do, he wants to devour us. And so that means if you're not yet a Christian, he wants to do everything he can to keep you from coming to faith in Christ. <laughs> Look at those Christians. They're just a bunch of hypocrites. You don't want to be one of them, do you? The Bible? How can you believe the Bible? It was written so long ago. Uh, the cross? How could someone dying on a cross so long? How could that impact your life in eternity today, right? And if you're a Christian, you know what he wants to do? He wants to steal your joy. So, so let me ask you, how's your joy level? He wants to steal you. You know what he wants to do? He wants to fill you with fear. Uh, how's your heart with fear? Are, are you filled with fear? You know where that comes from? You know what he wants to do? He wants to wreck your life. He wants to wreck your family. He wants to wreck your witness. He wants to prevent you from making disciples. When it comes to the devil, there's always two cliffs we can fall off of. There's always two cliffs, right? 
I mean, one cliff that many people fall off is what? That the devil doesn't exist. There's no devil. That, that's, that's silly, right? But listen, the opposite cliff that many fall off of, especially in churches, is they want to make Satan God's equal. Satan's not all-knowing. He's not all-powerful. He's not everywhere present. He's not God's equal. The gospel says this. The gospel says he's a formidable opponent. But Jesus is way greater, way greater. And that's why we're on the winning team. That's why we don't need to be intimidated by what we're seeing around us because the devil is no match for Jesus. So pushing on, verse 9, listen, but resist him. Don't be afraid of him, but resist him firm in your faith. Now today's message is titled, Run Toward the Roar. And you might wonder, why is that? So I want to teach you some things about lions. Um, Have you ever noticed in the animal kingdom that the men are better looking than the women? It's true, isn't it? It's true with a mallard. It's it's true with peacocks. It's true with lions. Not true with people, okay? It's not true. But in the animal kingdom, it's true. And so the lion is better looking than the female lions, but he's not as good of a hunter. So here's how lions hunt. The lion gets on one side of a field, and then he has female lions on the other side. Ten or twelve of them, they are sleeker. They're better hunters than him. You know what he does? He what? He roars. Have you ever heard a lion roar? Oh, many years ago, Karen and I, and I forget how many kids we had, but we were, we were camping out. <laughs> I know how many we have now. I don't remember how many we had then. <laughs> we're camping in lion country safari, and we hear a lion roar. And we were convinced the lion had escaped and was right next to us. Do you know he was five miles away? The ground shook. Lions can be heard six to eight miles away. So remember, you have the lion. What's he good at? And you have the female lions that are good at what? Hunting. And in the middle is a prey. So what happens is the lion, what? He roars, and often the prey is paralyzed with fear. And when they're paralyzed, guess what happens? The female lions come and devour them. Or sometimes when the prey hears the lion roar, what do you think he does? He runs the opposite way. He runs right into the female lions. We live in a culture where the lion is roaring. And many Christians are paralyzed by fear. And others, others are running away. And we need to learn to run toward the roar, not away from it. That's what he's saying here. He says, resist him, firm in your faith. We begin the Christian life by faith. We make progress in the Christian life by faith. We overcome the adversary by faith. Um. We begin by faith, don't we? Isn't that the gospel? I love the gospel. Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Gospel means good news, but if you don't understand the bad news, you won't appreciate the good. And so the bad news of the gospel, see the word lost? Listen, the bad news is that we were all once lost. That means we push God away. That's what sin is. We said, God, we don't want to do life your way. So we push God away, and then we wandered away from God. So we're lost, and we're sinners. It gets worse. The Bible says that we were held captive by Satan. 
who had blinded our eyes. So what was our condition? We were sinners who were lost, held captive by Satan, and yet what we deserved for our rebellion was hell itself. That's the bad news. Lost, sinners, condemned, held captive. Uh, and then the good news. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Don't you love rescue stories? Don't you? That, that someone is trapped and someone goes to great length to go and, and to rescue them. Don't you love those stories? You know why we love it? Because it's our story. We were the ones trapped, lost, condemned. And God the Son, because He loved us, put on flesh and came down to rescue us, to seek and save us. He lived a perfect life and He went to the cross. And he took our sins upon himself and he died in their place. And then he rose, proving he had conquered our greatest enemies. He had conquered sin. He had conquered death. He had conquered the devil. And he offers us salvation. Do you know what that is? It's salvation from sin for forgiveness. Oh, don't you want to be forgiven? It's salvation from death and eternal punishment for eternal life, life with Jesus both now and forever. Do you know what? We're saved from the devil being held captive to live in freedom. And, and what does Jesus require of us? <laughs> is that we would receive him as our Savior and Lord. Have you? Oh, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. There was a day I was very overwhelmed by my sin. And so I said, Jesus, I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry. And if you've never done that, won't you do that now? That's how it starts when we admit our sin. And, and then I believed. I said, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. Won't you? Won't you do that? And then I committed to Jesus as Savior and Lord. Jesus, I want you to come in and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. And he did, won't you? And I said, I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. And he did, won't you? Oh, won't you receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord? You, you can do that right now. Or I, I, I'll give you a chance as we close in prayer. You say you've done that. Listen to what Jesus says. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. Jesus says, let's be friends. And so if we want to overcome the devil, we need to get to know the one who's moved in. Oh, and if you wanted to be encouraged, if you wanted some good news, listen to this. In 1 John 4, 4, you are from God. Listen, you're from God, little children. You're not only forgiven, you're adopted and have overcome them. You're an overcomer. We're on the winning team. Why? Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You see the lion? You see the serpent? Greater is he. Jesus has moved into you. The one who defeated the devil lives in us. Through Jesus, we can overcome the flesh. We can overcome the world. We can overcome the devil. Oh, greater is he, greater is he, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Isn't that good news? That's why we're on the winning team. So listen, in our lives, Jesus is first our Savior, right? And then he's our Lord. And then he becomes our model, doesn't he? He becomes our model for life and for ministry. So as we're doing battle with Satan, Jesus says what? Follow me and I'll show you how to overcome the devil. Listen, we want to overcome temptations in our life? Jesus says, listen, follow me and I'll show you how. So if you want to learn how to overcome the devil, come with me and let's see how Jesus did. Remember when Jesus was baptized? Remember in um, Matthew 3, verse 16, 
After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Isn't that what we all want to hear? Do you know for Christians, it's true of us too. But right before Jesus begins his ministry, and uh, the Father affirmed his identity, his identity. Now, now, let me share something with you. Jesus was fully God and fully man, okay? And so often we say, well, well, Jesus did what he did because he was God. No, he was fully man. And all the resources that he had that he used to overcome the devil are available to us. They're available to us. And it starts with his identity. He knew who he was. My beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Let's move on. Matthew 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit. Aren't we given the Spirit? Aren't we called to be led by the Spirit, just like Jesus was? Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, then he became hungry. And the tempter, another name for Satan, and the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, so what had the father affirmed his what? His identity, right? And what did the temp tempter attack? What? His identity, if you are. But notice how Jesus responded. If you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. And he answered and said, it is written. He responded with the word of God. We have the word of God. He knew the word of God. Do we? Listen, he had studied it, memorized it, but he answered and said, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So let's back up just a little bit. What did Jesus have that helped him overcome the devil? He understood his identity. Do, do you know who you are? Do you, you know who I am? I'm a Christian. I'm a disciple. My identity is rooted in Christ. Is yours? Secondly, Jesus walked by the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. We're given the same Holy Spirit too. Aren't we called to be led and to walk by the Spirit? Jesus had the Word of God. We do too. Know the difference? He studied it. Know the difference? He memorized it. He didn't have his Bible with him. He didn't have his Bible with him when he was tempted, but he had memorized Scripture. Have we? Oh, I love what someone said once. He said the Holy Spirit had brought to his remembrance many verses that he had memorized, but never a verse he hadn't memorized. So true. One of the great delights of my life has been memorizing Scripture so that when the devil tempts you at that moment, the Holy Spirit brings to your remembrance the Word of God so that we can respond to temptation exactly like Jesus did. And so what do we see? We see identity, we, we, we see the Spirit, we see the Word, and we see the CMD. What? The critical moment of decision. Did you notice, when is the best time to resist a temptation? When? Right away, right? Remember when Eve was tempted, she began to ponder and think about it, right? But the moment Jesus was tempted, he responded immediately with the word of God. It is written. I believe it was Martin Luther who said, we can't help whether a bird lands on our head or not, but we can help whether he builds a nest or not. Jesus didn't let the devil build a nest on his head, do we? 
Wow, so what can we learn from Jesus, the way he modeled overcoming temptation? Identity, the spirit, the word, and the critical moment decision right away. So here's how that works in, in, in my life. Boy, uh, the devil is always putting thoughts into my head, you know. You can't lead someone to faith in Christ. You can't speak. You can't. And, but listen, I've memorized God's word, and the spirit brings to my remembrance what Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Listen, I can do anything God calls me to do because he lives in me. And the devil loves to show me my failures, and there are so many. You're a failure as a husband. You're a failure as a father. You're a failure as a pastor. But the Holy Spirit brings to my remembrance, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you know how powerful that is when you're under attack, that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ? The, the devil loves to remind me I'm going to die. Um, now, I'm going to show you a verse, and, and I, I hope it thrills your heart like one-tenth as much as mine. Because if it does, this is one of those verses you have to go and share with someone this week. You've got to show them in the middle of this pandemic, when people are so afraid, you've got to invite them to see this verse. Because what this verse is going to teach is Jesus came to not only set us free from death, but from the fear of death. Oh, it's so, it's so good. Listen. It's in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. The devil has so many people in our culture captured with the fear of death. And Jesus came to set us free not only from death, but from the fear of death. What if... What if there were two groups of people and one had been freed and one had not? Would anyone see the difference? Listen, Jesus came to set us free not only from death that live forever, but from the fear of death. <laughs> and so when I look in the mirror in the morning and I look so old, or I'm driving to a funeral and, and the devil says, that's going to be you one day, you know how I respond? For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know what we need in our culture? More dirty, hairy Christians. That when the devil says you're going to die, we say what? Go ahead and make my day. Right? <laughs> what people fear the most, Jesus told us, Today you'll be with me in paradise. Um, so listen, Jesus is our model. He's our model for life, how to overcome temptation, right? He's also our model for ministry. He's our model for ministry. Do you know how Jesus prays for us? He tells us in John 17 as he prays for us. Um, in John 17, 18, Jesus praying to the Father for us says, As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. People ask me all the time, well, what's God's purpose for my life? So this verse says, if we want to know our purpose, what should we do? There you go. If we know what Jesus' purpose is, right, then we know what our purpose is, right? 
And we just looked at his purpose. Was, his purpose was what? To seek and save the lost. And so he sends us out into a world filled with lost people to seek and save the lost, right? And you know what he shows us? He shows us that saving lost people is worth taking risk for. It's worth suffering for. It's worth dying for. The one we followed, his goal was not to live a long life. His goal was not to avoid risk. His goal was to seek and save the lost. And he calls us to do the same. You ever watch Normandy, do you? See soldiers laying down their lives for us. Aren't you glad they did? We just celebrated 9-11. Could you believe the first responders? Could you believe firemen and policemen running into a building on fire to rescue others? Isn't that what Jesus calls us to do, isn't it? Listen to Jude. Jude 22 and 23. And have some, have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. If we were in our home, and our neighbor's homes were burning, and we heard them screaming, would we say, I'm not a firefighter? Would we stay in the safety of our home? Or would we do everything we could to set them free? Do you know there are 200,000 people in our county who are hellbound? What will we do about it? Do you know this week I was talking to a man in the dentist. He's about my age. And, and, and I asked him how he was doing. He says, listen, I, I've just been really, really cautious the last 18 months. I, I'm really cautious. And and he said, well, what have you done? And I said, well, I've had the time of my life. For the last 18 months, I have rescued countless people from hell. I have been into the hospital over and over and over again, ministering the gospel to people who are sick and dying. I have been in the hospice Time after time after time after time, ministering to people in their last hours of life and pointing them toward Jesus. I've done funeral after funeral after funeral. I've done wedding after wedding after wedding. I've discipled people. Well, Smiley, was it safe? No, it wasn't safe. But oh, it sure was worth it. Because the one I follow's goal was not to live a long life, and it's not my goal either. His life goal was to live a life that impacted eternity, and so is mine. And what would happen? What would happen in this county if that were true of all of us? See, Jesus is our model for life and ministry. Back to the passage. But resist him, firm in your faith knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. Listen, as we're called upon to suffer for the cross of Christ, we're not alone. 
You say, we're on the winning team. We're connected to Jesus, but we're connected to his body around the world. And all over the world today, Christians are losing their job. They're being thrown into prison, and they're being put to death all over the world. Do you know we've helped to plant about 20 churches in India? And do you know that India has passed an anti-conversion law? And there are churches, there are pastors, you know, that Ken works with that are now in jail. You know why? Because when the government said it's against the law to convert someone, you know what they did? They did it anyway. Let me ask you, what are we going to do in our country? What are we going to do in our country when it's against the law to share our faith? Why wait till then? Why not do it now while we still can, right? Oh, I have one Savior, one Savior, because only Jesus saves, but I have many heroes. And we need heroes to inspire us, okay? And one of my heroes is the Apostle Paul, is the Apostle Paul. We're not the first culture that was very safety conscious. The Apostle Paul in Acts 20 is headed to Jerusalem. He's headed to Jerusalem, and they're all trying to, don't go, don't go, don't go, it's not, it's not safe. And listen to how Paul responds. Acts 20, verse 24, but I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. Don't you understand? If they kill me, I'm going to heaven. If they die without Christ, they're headed to hell. I'll gladly lay down my life for them, just like Jesus laid down his life for me, right? How often we hear today, be safe, be safe. Listen, let's be strong and courageous in a time like, that's what the scripture calls us to, doesn't it? The very next chapter, once again, don't go, Paul, don't go, it's dangerous, Acts 21, 13. Then Paul answered, what are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart, for I am ready not only to be found, but even to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Kind of like Jesus, right? He was willing to die so that others could live. Is that true of us? Do you know how missionaries used to pack their belongings? Do you know how? You know, 100 years ago, 150 years ago, you know how they packed their possessions? When they went to disease-laden lands, you know how they packed them? They packed them in coffins. Because they believed to go to a disease-laden country and share the gospel was going to cost them their lives. And so they did. And so they went, and so they laid down their lives to rescue others. See, we're on the winning team. Listen, we're following Jesus. We're surrounded by others who are willing to suffer for the faith. And then we, we continue in um, <clears throat> verse 10. After you have suffered for a little while, uh, the God of all grace who called you into his own glory and to his... And, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Listen, when, when we're called to suffer, we're never alone. Jesus lives in us, and he knows what it's like to suffer. Notice this well. He promises we're on the winning team, that he called us. He's going to get us safely home and finish his work. We're on the, home, we're on the winning team. And notice this well. He says suffering is short. And eternity is forever. So when we find ourselves suffering for the cause of Christ, remember it's so short. And then it's glory forever. 
And know what I love about Peter and Paul does the same time? Uh, they, they start with theology and they end up with doxology. They, they start with teaching us and they go into praise. Notice what he ends with. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Listen, theology leads to doxology. Theology leads to worship. And you know what worship leads to? It leads to witness when people worship the living God. They tell others how amazing he is. And uh, what he says in verse 11 is we're on the winning team, right? To him be dominion, he's going to win, right? Forever and ever. So, so what have we learned so far? We've learned that we're on the winning team. We're on the winning team. And so for an action step this week, what I want you to do is to team up. And I want you to team up with Jesus first. I want you to team up with Jesus. Oh, spend time this week in, in 1 John 4.4, 4, right? You are from God, little children and have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Wouldn't that change your life? I've been teaching you how to gaze at Jesus and glance at our circumstances. This week what I want you to do is gaze at Jesus and glance at the devil. Yes, he's real. Yes, he's formidable. But Jesus is so much greater. Gaze at Jesus. If we want to know how to overcome temptation, gaze at Jesus and listen, follow him. If we want to live a life that matters, gaze at Jesus and follow him. Team up with Jesus. Secondly, let's team up with each other, team up with each other. I, I read a great article this week by John MacArthur on COVID in the church, on COVID in the church. And here's what he said. A lot of Christians today are, are saying that God has given us faith over fear, faith over fear. And he said, that's pretty good. But he says, here's what he really believed the gospel says. We need joy over fear. Joy over fear. I have never seen America so joyless, so gloom, so doom, so down. What if? I mean, you do know what the fruit of the Spirit is. It goes, what, it, love, joy? We always talk about love, right? But we don't talk much about joy. What if there was a people who had joy over fear? You ever wonder what pastors dream about? You ever wonder what pastors pray about? Here's what I pray. Sunday morning at Good News would look like. Psalm 100. Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pastures. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. I dream of the day when Ed starts the service. The place is filled with people who are blown away by what Jesus has done for them and they can't wait to sing of his greatness. And every lost person who comes here sees the joy in this place. Says, I don't know what these people have, but I want it. And then I pray the joy flows out onto Wildwood Drive where all the neighbors say there's something happening there. You need to check it out. And it goes through the county. There is a people that have joy over fear. Wouldn't that be great? We all have a part to play, don't we? And then you know what I dream about what happened in small group when it's prayer time? I mean, I know Aunt Edna needs prayer. And, and I know Cousin Billy needs prayer. And I'm not saying those things 
aren't important, but I, I would love for us to pray. Whenever the Apostle Paul gathered with his small group, here's how he asked. Here's how Paul prayed. Uh, in, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. I, I love Paul. Sometimes it's like a machine gun of superlatives, isn't it? All, all, all. But now here's Paul's prayer request. Imagine this is what happens in our small group. He says, pray on my behalf. Pray for me. Pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. He's in prison. He's been beaten. He's suffered so much. It's hard to speak up when you keep getting thrown into prison. Pray for me that I would have boldness for which I am an ambassador in chains that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. We say, oh, well, Paul was so courageous. No, he was not. But when he gathered with his small group, he acknowledged that he needed prayer. He asked prayer that God would open doors and give him boldness and the right words to say. Imagine we were like that, right? Not just praying for Aunt Edna, but for us. Pray for me. Will you pray for me? I'm a coward. I'll pray for you. That God would open doors. That God would give us boldness. That God would give us the words to say. Because you see, we're on the winning team, so we team up with Jesus. We team up with one another in our worship in small group. And then we set prisoners free. We set prisoners free. There are 200,000 people in our county that are held prisoners. Listen, the people we disagree with, they're not our enemy. They're held captive by our enemy. And, and we're parachuted behind enemy lines. Of course it's a hostile culture. We're parachuted behind enemy lines to cross minefields and to cut through barbed wire and to set prisoners free. Here's, here's our instructions. In 2 Timothy 2, the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome. Do you know anybody who gets in quarrels online, do you? Listen, we're on a mission way more important than those other things. So the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to what? We, we're kind to the people who think like us? No, we're kind to all because we're on a mission, able to teach. You know why we gather together? Oh, smiley, I have neighbors that are in prison. Will you equip me? Will you help me? Will you help me to set them free? Able to teach. That's what we're here to do is to equip you patient when wrong, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. So do you, do you know why we're called to gently correct people? What's our goal? Is our goal to win an argument? It's what? To win the person, isn't it? We don't want to win an argument. We want to win the person. With gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. Um, and you know what our part is on this mission? We share the gospel. The bad news, the good news, we invite people to response. But do you know what we pray? Here's what we pray, that the Holy Spirit would come. Like, Listen to this. If perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. That the Holy Spirit would grant them repentance. They would see themselves. They would see Jesus and say, Oh, Jesus, save me. 
Is it safe to cross minefields? No. Is it safe to cut through barbed wire? No. But oh, it's worth it. It's so, so worth it to be there when God grants someone repentance and someone held captive by Satan is set free. Dear people, we are on the winning team. So team up with Jesus. He's greater. He's greater than our enemy. Team up with each other. Don't try this alone. We need each other. And then this week we are deployed out into the community where we live and work and play on a great, great mission to set prisoners free. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for coming to seek and save us. Thank you. Thank you for not living a safe life, a long life. Thank you for risking. Thank you for giving it all to save us. Thank you. And listen, if you're here and you hear Jesus knocking on your heart, you've never received him, won't you be saved today? Won't you say, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and, and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that for the first time, won't you mark it on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. Jesus, I pray that your Holy Spirit would fall on those of us who know you and open our eyes that as we have breakfast with Jesus, that we would realize, Jesus, that you are so much greater than our enemy, that we're on the winning team. Lord, I pray that we would team up with you and with each other. I pray that our worship that our joy would overcome our fear and be heard through our county. Lord, I pray when we gather in small groups, we would pray for open doors. We would pray for courage. We would pray for the right words. And Lord, I pray this week that as we're deployed where we live, work, and play, we would remember our mission, that people are held captive, and you've given us the gospel to share. Give us the boldness to share to set prisoners free. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.